Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Come on around back, Arizona. All the way back. We're going past the back 40. We're going all the way down to Casa Grande, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. First Saturday of the month in our outdoor living hours. That means we're talking farm fresh commodities with spokeswoman Julie Murphy from the Arizona Farm Bureau. Welcome to 2021. Yes, it's 2021. Happy New Year. It was a busy holiday season for all of us, but now we're going to get to crank into this new year and hopefully we have better stories to tell in 2021 than we did in 2020. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's really funny. One of my daughters yesterday said, man, I can't believe it's 2020 is over. This has been the best year of my life. Awesome. <laughs> so it's all perspective, I it guess. It is all perspective. <laughs> and when we put together our home maintenance calendar that we deliver to whoever is on the mailing list, you have to ask for it, and then we just send it to you, and we'll send you a new one every year. We put them together. They have to go to print in July. I don't know why you have to print calendars six months early, but that's <laughs> that's just the way the calendar industry is for whatever reason. So we'd like to put in there what we're going to be talking right. about. And this hour, the first Saturday of the month, and our outdoor living hour, we try and bring a local commodity from Arizona's farmers and ranchers into uh, Arizona homes. You know, connect the local market with, you know, what, what we are growing here in Arizona. Arizona Farm Bureau is a, a, the farming industry, the agriculture is a $23 billion industry to Arizona. And when I saw Arizona Gorge for January, I thought, well, whatever, I'll just, I'll figure it out then. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, Romy, uh, over the years, we've brainstormed very uh, productively on some of the commodities and we just hadn't done gorge yet. And I thought, oh my gosh, we need to do this. And uh, if we talk about gourds, we have to bring in the Wirtz family and specifically Waylon Wirtz. And he's on with us. Waylon, thanks for joining us. But it's a, it's an amazing crop, and he's got a great story behind it. But Waylon, welcome. And before you even get into your gourds, you have to tell us about the Wirtz farming legacy footprint here in Arizona. Sure. First of all, gourd morning, everybody. I've got to get that out of the way with. So, <laughs> I love it. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, happy to be on this morning. And uh, yeah, extremely proud of my family who's been farming in Arizona now for, oh, geez, it's going to be close to 90 years. And, uh, you know, our, our family moved from South Dakota in 1929 to start cotton farming in, uh, in Pinal County. And the rest is history, but uh, we still have one of my uh, uh, founding great uncles still with us here. He's, uh, oh, in his mid-90s right now, but uh, my grandfather, a bunch of great uncles, they all started farming in Pinal County, and uh, a lot of the, the, the cousins and everybody uh, started farming as well, and uh, yeah, it's been a, a great family tradition and uh, super proud of my family. So cotton, wheat, alfalfa, just about every crop you can imagine the Wirtz family's grown and mostly in Pinal County, but not exclusively, right? And just Correct, like mostly in Pinal County. So okay. that's uh, but one of the one of the great uncles ventured off and farmed a lot in Blythe, California and and he recently passed away a couple years ago, but uh, but left his mark. And uh, but yeah, we've we've always kind of grown the traditional crops that you'd see in this area, like you just said. 
The one of the other things that I like to highlight for those listeners here too is the Wirtz family can take credit, and I don't know if it would be one of your grandfather or uncles or whoever in the clan, so to speak, but developed the uh, drip irrigation system and a lot of the systems that we, most of our farmers use today when they use the drip. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Howard Wirtz, he's the, the great uncle to me that's, uh, that's still with us here. And, uh, and he basically kind of made it work. And uh, he had on his farm several thousand acres in subsurface drip irrigation. And uh, he really kind of pioneered that um, in this area and then around the country as well. So super proud of his accomplishments and his patents and everything else that he's helped to, uh, to contribute to ag. I uh, like to say about the Wirtz family or similar to the Rovies, we have to call it the Wirtz clan because there's so many of you. <laughs> and all of you have a unique footprint, so to speak, in farming still. And with you, it's the gourds. So, um, you know, I don't want to get too much into that. I kind of want to spread that out. But what inspired you to farm gourds instead of some of the traditional crops that the rest of the Wirtz family has done? Sure. Well, just like, you know, any other farmer out there, a lot of traditional crops, you've just got to do, you know, close to thousands of acres to try to make a profit on it, especially with in, in today's climate of, uh, you know, not, uh, not high earnings on, you know, cotton, wheat, barley, and, and stuff like that. So when I was finishing up down at the University of Arizona with also a bunch of the Rovies down there too, got to give them the <laughs> quick, Go quick Wildcats. There's some, uh, some of my best buddies that I can imagine. So, um, but yeah, I was finishing up down there and I, I thought, I, I want to come back and farm, but I don't really know what to do. You know, our, our family farm at that time was only a thousand acres and to have, you know, two families try to make a living off that, it just wasn't, uh, wasn't possible. So on a whim, I just decided to plant two rows of gourds next to a cotton field that happened to get water. And uh, the rest is kind of history. Everybody down at the, the Aggie house down there at University of Arizona kind of gave me a hard time, but that was the beginning of it. And uh, I needed to make a truck payment. So having a truck payment, I thought maybe I can sell these weird looking uh, uh, vegetables or fruits or whatever you want to call it at the time. And uh, it, it started paying off. So that's kind of the beginning of, of the whole gourd thing. And I really liked them because gourds don't rot on you. You don't have to take and try to move, you know, your, your whole crop in a matter of a couple of weeks to keep them from spoiling. So the fact that they pretty much last forever was a big driving force as to, to why I got into it. Now, Julie posted a picture of you this morning holding what are you holding? I mean, the thing looks like it's 30 it pounds. It is a gourd. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a gourd. Uh, for those of you that are on the Arizona Farm Bureau and you've seen that picture, it's what they call a caveman club gourd. Um, and normally we would let that completely dry to where it looks brown, but in that picture it's green and oh, it kind of looks like maybe a, a five, six foot long uh, zucchini or squash. But that would eventually harden. And then people could turn that into whatever kind of art project they wanted to. So, and there's, oh, geez, there's hundreds of varieties of gourds. We happen to grow about 35, 36 varieties. And from year to year, we accidentally create some accidental crosses that happen too. So, 
so some of these cr- crosses you've created yourself, you know, earlier when you mentioned that you just decided to take two rows because it was near a cotton field and it was getting some water, that made me mm-hmm. immediately think of Mother's Garden. She'd always say, Pat, leave me a, a few rows at the end because I know they'll get water and that's how she would do her garden. And it was always yeah, very abundant. Yeah, it, it just kind of happens that way. If, if you've got water going by there, you sure don't want to waste it. So you might as well uh, plant something. And, and uh, sure enough, it, it panned out. But uh, like I said, I've been growing gourds commercially now for 20 years, which it just seems like yesterday, but it's, uh, it's been a fun venture. Well, you have some uh, unique claims with your gourds here in Arizona, um, things like in terms of the size and varieties. What are some of those claims to fame that the Wurtz Gourd Farm can hold on to? Sure. Well, the first thing, you know, after I realized that the gourds could, you know, kind of be profitable, we wanted to get our hands on as many varieties to grow as as we could, uh, because everybody out there starts seeing, oh, I can make this out of this shape and this out of that shape and kind of go from there. But what really makes our gourds known throughout the world now is our shell thickness. And it just, a lot of it has to deal with the genetics of the variety that we're growing, but a good chunk of it has to do with our climate that we have. So we found out a long time ago that the longer we can keep that plant alive and, uh, and start keep getting more nutrients and water to it, we can start thickening up that shell. And uh, having a thick shell on these really allows the artist uh, to do deep relief carving um, and have some sustenance in that shell uh, that they can really create some beautiful artwork with. So the thickness the size, uh, the different varieties really kind of makes us known throughout the country. Most of the time when we have a Farm Bureau guest, it's, you know, what to look for when you're at your local bashes. Yeah. Am I going to like Arizona Art Studios to buy this? (laughs) This gourd you're holding, where do I go to find that? (laughs) Sure, yeah. And the the beauty of the gourds is, like I kind of said earlier, is they don't go bad. Once they're dry they will be around longer than any of us will be alive. And one of the the cool, interesting facts that we learned a long time ago is that they have found gourds in caves that have been carbon dated to over 5,000 years old. Wow. That's cool in itself, but they were able to take some of those seeds and actually germinate those seeds from 5,000 years ago. So the, the fact that the gourds can last longer than a piece of wood I always thought was really amazing. So, you know, it's just an interesting crop, and I wish I had more time to to talk on these. But uh, and every year we're learning more and more about this this fun history and the uses and and all of that. Well, and I I can so see why the climate here in Arizona is making so much sense for the quality of gourds that you guys are growing, because we have three hundred plus days of sunshine, and it's impacted, and we're one of the few states, other state, a few other, like California and Florida can claim this, we can be planting and harvesting 12 months out of the year. So it's constant where in the Midwest, if I was farming there, I might be shut down in the coldest parts of it other than feeding my cattle and having stored the hay so I can feed them. But uh, here in Arizona, we're constantly planting and harvesting and it's making a difference. And so for you, that length of growth for the gourd is what's creating that really thick shell. So if I'm an artist, mm-hmm. it's going to be real important for me. 
So absolutely, cool. and and something people have to get out of their minds too is when most people think of gourds, they think of this colorful, bumpy stuff that you see around Thanksgiving time that are meant for table decorations. The varieties that we grow are called a hard shell variety. The ones you see in the supermarkets, those are an ornamental variety. Hard shell varieties, once they dry, they are going to look actually like a hollow chunk of wood. And that's where, you know, you start seeing the fine art that's done out of these, you know, these uh, fruits. And uh, we can thicken up that shell and it just lends to beautiful, beautiful artwork that people create that you'll see, you know, finished gourd pieces in the fifteen dollars to $20,000 range. And uh, it's, it's just amazing what people are creating. Talk about value add. Oh, mommy dear, we love being your sons. And gourds, they want to have fun. Oh, gourds just want to have fun. Of course, Gary D. finds a song about gourds. It was all last minute, too. I, I looked everywhere last night, and I did one quick search, and all of a sudden this popped up. Oh, that's and that awesome. is Veggie Tales, in case you're wondering. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, we have lots of puns like that at the farm. Oh, I bet you do. Waylon, so I want to test my artistic talents, and I want, some, uh-huh. I want to get some of your gourds. So how am I going to do that? I know there's a lot of listeners out there that are way more artistic than I am. So or trying me. to find a hobby for the kids to <laughs> or, keep them busy. Yeah, oh, <laughs> trying absolutely. to find a hobby for the kids. So how do we do that? Yeah. Well, the best thing is we have built a gigantic gourd shopping center at the farm. We've, we're not still sure what we're calling it, but we're leaning towards Gourdtopia. And uh, <laughs> so we are, we are open at our farm Tuesdays through Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. year-round. It kind of gets mixed up when they have the holidays, but... Uh, for the most part, we're always there. Now, also our website, wurtzfarm.com, W-U-E-R-T-Z-F-A-R-M.com. That is our website. And uh, we move a ton of gourds through that website. And we ship to all 50 states equally. Uh, we have artists all over the, the country. And normally we'd have a lot of Canadian customers, but not this year with the pandemic. So but whether you decide to order online, we make it super easy. It is just like checking out on Amazon. You can add uh, three varieties of this in that size, four varieties of that gourd in another size. Uh, you hit buy, and we box them and ship them to you. So um, for those that have been to the Wurtz Gourd Festival in February, uh-huh. the sad thing is it's not occurring this year, but hey, there will be next year. But I think for ever, every listener that's ever been to the Wirtz Gourd Festival in February, you should post on Rosie on the House's either Facebook page or Instagram whether you've gone to the Wirtz or actually your Instagram account, right? Whether you've been yeah. a listener has been to the festival or not, because that's a real exciting uh, experience. It's annual. It's not going to happen this year, but you know, there's going to be 2022. So. Yes. That's exactly right. And um, we've been doing this festival now for about uh, 18 years. And uh, luckily, we were able to sneak in our festival in February of 2020, uh, right before the pandemic hit. And our 2020 festival theme was Make America Gourd Again. <laughs> and uh, and it, was, it was a really popular uh, theme. But uh, unfortunately, with 2021, we had it scheduled. 
But with the increasing numbers of the pandemic and states going on lockdown, a lot of our vendors who come from out of state, they couldn't make it. And so they started canceling left and right. And unfortunately, we just had to make the call to, uh, to cancel it. It was going to be held uh, Valentine's Day weekend, but uh, we'll just have to, to go without it this year. But the good news is, is at the farm, we are planning more events. And I'm, when I say oh, events, I mainly mean, I mainly mean kind of classes. We have a lot of gourd crafting classes that my wife, Leah, coordinates. And uh, we hope to get those on our website soon uh, so that people can start signing up. And we keep it low-key at the farm. We get about maybe 8 to 12 students per class. Uh, we're really trying to, to minimize how many students we have. But it's something, something different that people can do. It's out in the open. It's during our beautiful time of the year. And uh, if nothing else, you know, people use our farm as just kind of an escape to get out of the city. Uh, all of our gourds are under shade, and uh, it's just a fun shopping experience. But you don't even have to come and buy gourds. You can just come and enjoy the ambiance of our whole Gourdtopia shopping center. I'm glad you emphasized that, Waylon, because that's one of the things I was wanting to add. Okay, the festival's not here this year, but you can still visit the farm, and of of the handful, actually, it's more than that, a couple dozen farms that we have in the state of Arizona that you can visit. This is another one of them. And um, maybe mention the location just a little bit for our listener if they don't oh, happen sure. to pause and check your website out. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, if you just, uh, if people out there are unsure how to spell words or, you know, gourds or anything, if somebody just Googles a gourd farm in Arizona, we're the only one to pop up. So we're real easy <laughs> to find or, you know, gourds for sale. We're generally the first one to pop up. And uh, so that, that's an easy way to get a hold of us. And uh, we have a gift shop there at the farm. People can buy their, their crafting supplies. Uh, they can buy gifts that are already made out of the gourds. And if nothing else, they can wander around the rest of the farm and see the animals. And there's no admission charge. You know, we're just basically a store that deals with selling these weird-looking fruits. And where is it physically located? Physically located, well, we're in, we are about nine miles east of Casa Grande on Highway 287. Uh, the actual address is 2487 East Highway 287 in Casa Grande, Arizona. And uh, it's just uh, right in between Tucson and Phoenix. And uh, it's a great place to come and visit. We're talking with Waylon Wurtz of the Wurtz Gourd Farm, along with Julie Murphy of the Arizona Farm Bureau here, Rosie on the House. After looking at your picture this morning, you posted, Julie, of Mr. Waylon Wirtz and one of his gourds. I thought, man, and I need to go back and read your blog because you guys always put an article, facts about whatever commodity. Because I'm like, what would you eat that in? Well, the first fact about gourds that you have posted is most gourds are not edible. Edible. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes, that's on Fill Your Plate. We posted it on that one. That's our customer uh, Arizona family facing website that talks all about food and recipes from our farmers and ranchers and fun stuff like that and we have uh, the most recent article is fun facts about gourds and of course we feature the Wurtz Gourd Farm that again you can find on the internet so the other thing that I wanted to ask Waylon about is I recall the last time we had a conversation 
you said that your wife has influenced a lot of pretty cool things as it relates to the farm and the gourd. So tell me a little bit oh, about that. Ab- absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I may have started this in 2001, but Leah, uh, my wife, she, uh, the business wouldn't be what it is without her right now. Um, she's helped me and, and taken and ran with it and built the website, currently runs it. Um, in fact, I met her at a gourd meeting, a crafting meeting back in 2003, and and the rest is history. So <laughs> we, we both kind of knew what, what gourds were and how to work on it. And so the, the two of us, we just make a perfect team as far as being able to run this business. And uh, now with this pandemic in full swing, she's been thinking outside the box and and really working on coordinating some classes at the farm uh, with some of the various teachers around the area as well. You met her at FarmersOnly.com, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think we probably could have started that website. But, uh, um, yeah, GordCrafters.com, who knows? But, uh, yeah, it, it's been a fun venture with her, and we've got three of the, the best-looking kids I could ever imagine. And, uh, yeah, even with the pandemic, uh, life is good. There you go. Uh, so is she an artist? Is that, I mean, obviously is, that's yeah. right. Okay. And yeah, um, that's, uh, she's been a great artist from the get go. And, uh, you know, some of her outside the box thinking is, is just really cool and, and seeing what she creates. And I've noticed there for a while, and I'm sure you're probably still doing it on Facebook. She was having these, I don't know if they were video captured prior or if they were lives, but she would kind of have some discussions, crafting classes, stuff like that, correct? Correct, yeah. She tries to do it, but um, it, it gets kind of challenging when you have three kids at home and you're trying to do that. So we haven't been able to do it as much as we like to, but uh, it, it is in the future, and um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to keep doing some more lives as, uh, as we carry on with everything. And your children are... Pl- pretty little your oldest son i think he's is he 10 yet almost he'll be 10 in february and uh, sadie our middle one she's five and gunner's two so she's got her hands full when i'm at the farm you know doing what i need to do to to keep the business going but uh her job i think is about 10 times harder than mine one of the classiest pictures that we have is of your middle child your daughter standing right next to one of the gourds that's literally bigger than her. She was, of course, pretty little at the time, and is still pretty little, but it's just, it's another family affair. It's another family farm. Uh, One of the statistics here in Arizona that more than 95% of our farms here in Arizona are family-owned and operated. They might be incorporated. They might even be large. Think of Hickman's Family Farms. They have Uh $10 laying hens daily, producing fresh eggs for us daily. Well, they're incorporated. They would be classified as a large farm, but it's family-owned. So uh, you guys can say the same with what you're doing, and it truly is a family affair if Leah's kind of helping you with your marketing and getting out there and having art classes and all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, absolutely, and that's the one thing that I, I sure am proud of with this whole Wartz family is, you know, we're we, we have larger Wurtz farms, we have smaller Wurtz farms, but we all get together. We all love doing what we do. And uh, hopefully this, uh, you know, we can keep this whole farming thing going for generations to come. But, you know, with looming water shortages and everything, we, we just don't know. But uh, every day we try to make the most out of it. That's pretty neat. Well, and, you know, we've been 
talking a lot about gourds. Of course, that's our commodity for, but mm-hmm. we, and we know that you can use them as a medium for art, but what else can you use gourds for? Are there any well, other utilitary uses that are more specific than what we're thinking of? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, gourds have been grown for, you know, thousands of years. And uh, originally they were just grown for food storage, water storage, utensils, because you're, you're basically growing this hollow vessel uh, that works perfect for, you know, storing stuff in. And uh, the main thing that people really like, especially in this area with gourds, is when you put water in them, they sweat. And so even when it's 110 degrees out, your water inside this gourd that you could then drink out of stays at room temperature because with the evaporation, it's keeping that water inside of it cool. So it, it was the perfect vessel for all kinds of things throughout history. And, you know, people have always kind of maybe scribed on them or decorated them a little bit. But within the last 50 years, it's just become a huge art medium that's like carving or painting or wood-burning wood. And uh, you just see some tremendous art forms uh, getting put on the shell of these, uh, these hard shell gourds. Now, Leah is doing some of her own artwork on gourds. Is she marketing any of that as an art piece to sell, or is she mainly focusing on the art classes? Um, she, she focuses on the classes, but when she gets a free minute, she does like to, to dabble in doing her artwork. But like I said, again, you know, with three kids, you're kind of limited on time as, as far as what you get to, to invest in. But you almost have to look at it from our standpoint too, is we do a lot of our artwork and projects to give people ideas because our business, yeah, our business is made in, um, in selling the dry gourds. Sure. And the dry gourds, they can range from a couple dollars to $20, $30 each, depending upon their size. But without ideas, a lot of times people are kind of lost, like, well, what do I do with that now? <laughs> and uh, so we need to give people ideas what they can make with them. And that's what she's constantly trying to do is, is give people ideas. And how many varieties are you growing? Uh, currently, we're growing about 35 on purpose. <laughs> And when I say on purposes, again, we accidentally create varieties from time to time that we may have that particular year, but sometimes may never see again. And uh, throughout the years, we're currently growing between maybe 600,000 to 900,000 gourds a year now. Whoa. And, uh, it, you know, everybody sees something different from little Christmas ornament sized gourds to gourds that you can't fit your arms around that weigh, you know, 150 pounds when they're green. But, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know, every day is always unique and fun because you get to see so many new creations. Well, and if you are growing that type of inventory per year, that also means those gourds are moving. Now, I understand you do have them and they store forever, but obviously Mm -hmm. they're moving if every year you're producing that much. I'm just waiting for Romy to ask some numbers question because I think he la- likes math and he always asks it. But you, oh, you said 600,000 yeah. to 900,000 every year? Yeah, it, it depends upon the acreage. Uh, last year we did, um, we did 40 acres of gourds. And between the little gourds, big gourds, and everything all said and done, it was right at about a 900,000 gourd harvest. Wow. Now, obviously, we don't move that many each year, but we do move a couple hundred thousand each year. Wow. Um, and then the beauty of it is I've been doing this 20 years now. We don't have any wholesale accounts. We move everything strictly through the farm 
people stopping in buying what they want. We move everything through our website, people just buying here and there. Wow. But our festival, which we'd normally have, our festival alone would move between 50 and 60,000 gourds just in a three-day period. Wow. So that you know, kind of hurts this year not having it, but we'll still be okay. But uh, yeah, I never thought it would get as big as it is, but I am super happy that it did. And I'm always joking with Leah and the family about creating a sixth C for Arizona. And those of you that are familiar, you know, our our five C's, copper, cotton, citrus, climate, cattle. Well, I think we could have accidentally created a sixth in craft. And Romy just smiled when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Craft. So, yeah, craft. So that could be the sixth C in in, uh, Arizona for us. So... Rosie on the House listeners, for all of you that are budding artists, just because they're not having their gourd festival just this year alone, you need to get on the website and or visit the farm because you have to maximize on your artistic value, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah. how... You know, you have told me a little bit about working with the public and we ask any of our direct market or retail farmers where the customer can come to your farm. What are some of the interactions? Like what's been your most popular question and what's been unique to your farm in working with the public, especially when they come on to the farm? (laughs) You know, we get, the first thing I say when people come to the farm is there are no dumb gourd questions. And, uh, and we hear it all, you know, the most popular one, I think we we, uh, mentioned earlier is our gourds edible. There are a few varieties that you can eat, but for the most part, no, I think I'd rather die than have to eat a gourd. Uh, so that's, that's a real popular question we get asked. Um, the other one is how many gourds do you grow? How many varieties are there? And what's the farthest place you've shipped gourds to, you know, certain things like that. But, uh, well, what you know, is the out, furthest that you've shipped your gourds from Arizona? A long time ago, we had an order come in from New Zealand and oh. we've, but since then, paperwork, customs, and everything, I really just, you know, keep shipping to all 50 states and not out of the country. It's just, it's too much of a hassle for me to do that. Um, although I'm not going to rule it out in the future, but, uh, but just shipping to different states is the easiest to, to keep going. Um, but like I said, we, we hear it all, and it's always fun, and everybody thinks they're asking a dumb question, when in reality they're not, because there's not a whole lot of gourd farms in the U.S. It's such a labor-intensive um, product, not a lot of people like to, to venture into it and you know have to be stuck at their farm or, or home selling them throughout the year, too. Well, and isn't that one of your claim to fame is you're one of the largest gourd farms in the United States, or what's the... What's the? I, I think as far as the the quantity of gourds that we produce each year, um, that I believe makes us the largest in the country. Uh, there are some other farms that might have a little bit more acreage, but we have really learned to maximize uh, how many gourds we can grow per acre. And uh, you know, with our growing climate, we can we can really get some uh, nice efficiency. We know about gourds not being edible, but Julie and I were discussing one of my favorite ones, and that's butternut squash. Have you ever thought about uh, – now, that would be a gourd, correct? Well, the gourds are uh, a member of the cucurbit family, just like squash, melons, uh, cucumbers. 
So a butternut squash is a squash, not really a gourd, but butternut squash we grow in our little, you know, family garden, and they grow like a weed here in Arizona. And uh, along with some spaghetti squash and stuff we do as well. And every once in a blue moon, you can actually get some squashes that will cross with the gourd, and you would have the most bitter-tasting food you can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. So uh, give us the website one more time. Sure. You can come and visit us at uh, wurtzfarm.com. That's W-U-E-R-T-Z-F-A-R-M.com. Well, it looks like we got another famous Waylon now, beside this guy. <laughs> Waylon Wirtz, the Wirtz family gourd farm. And, you know, Waylon, I was looking around on your website, and a lot of interesting uh, different styles and types of gourds that y'all grow. But one, uh, one of the things that I really honed in on was this gourd honey. Yes, it's, uh, it's something new that we've added to our uh, arsenal of products this year. And um, we started running beehives on our gourd fields about 10 years ago. Uh, we got free pollination, and I was happy with that. Um, but this year, we decided to go ahead and buy all of the honey from our beekeeper, uh, which was about 40 gallons of, of uh, gourd honey, which is probably the most unique honey uh, that people are going to be able to purchase at all uh, in the United States. And it is a dark honey. It is super sweet. And it was a super, super good seller right before Christmas as people were looking for that unique gift. So now do you have any left over? Can uh, people still no, buy it? No, we, we still, we, we sold about half of the honey. And it is still available on our website. And uh, we have that for sale And, uh, yeah, it's, like I said, it's hard to describe honey. You know, a lot of people think it all tastes the same, but the gourd honey has a unique sweetness that it's tough to beat. And I've tried all different kinds of honey since, uh, we basically got into the honey business as well. And I'll tell you what, the gourd honey is still my favorite. Oh, wow. You're, you're a gourd man through and through. That's for sure. Yeah, we're always looking at new products in which, you know, the, the gourds can be marketed. And then also you've got loofahs that you have for sale on your website. Yeah, and this was kind of a a side note once we started growing gourds, but uh, turns out uh, the the loofahs kind of got lumped in with the gourd family. Uh, They are a cucurbit. They grow just like a cucumber, but for those of you that aren't sure what a loofah is, you look at the bath and beauty section of any store, and you're going to find these uh, body scrubbers. Well, these sponges or loofahs, they're not from the ocean. They're actually grown on a vine uh, kind of like a gourd. And when the skin is peeled off, you're left with this, uh, this perfectly all-natural uh, body scrubber that's great for in the shower or scrubbing dishes with or, or anything like that. And uh, we grow, I don't know, maybe five to 6,000 of those a year. And uh, they grow really good in Arizona. And uh, my kids are like, you know, washing themselves uh, in the shower with them because uh, they are super soft, just like a washcloth. So cool. So, um, 2021, uh, we know one thing that's not going to occur is the Wirtz Gourd Festival, but it'll come back in 2022. But overall, what are some other things that customers can be looking for in 2021 with the Wirtz Gourd Farm? Besides well, anywhere from 600,000 to 900,000 gourds. 
Well, that, that's one thing. Without a festival, we are going to have more of a stockpile of gourds this year. Um, something that people kind of miss out on if they don't go to the festival is a lot of our giant gourds. And I'm talking big round gourds that are 15 to 20 inches wide or have a circumference of, you know, four and a half feet to, to six feet around. Uh, they're actually going to be in stock this year at the farm. Uh, they're still drying in the field, but without a festival, they're not going to be flying off the shelves like they have in the past. So people that normally wouldn't be able to get their hands on some of these giant gourds, uh, we will have those probably in February, March, and April. So it'll be a good time to get your hands on some gourds that normally are sold out. So that's good to know for the artist, especially mm-hmm. if they've had a tough time accessing some of your larger gourds for some of their artwork. And I would imagine you have uh, returning artists from all over the country that are, you know, if that's their main medium for their artwork, they're probably coming to you annually. Oh, absolutely. We have a lot of people that will, they may fly in from East Coast, uh, you know, get a hotel room for the night. They come out to the farm, they pick out their gourds that they want, and we ship their gourds back to them. Other ones will make a drive out in an empty van, load up with gourds, and then head on back. And that's what they work on throughout the year. So we are kind of a a destination uh, place for a lot of artists because then they get to hand select everything that they want to work on. Only in Arizona agriculture. I just think that's the neatest caveat to some of the things we're doing in agriculture. Romy, it looked like you had a question. One last one. We're just about to wrap up. Uh, uh-huh. Wayne, we've got a, someone that has texted in the broadcast and wants to know where to buy gourd seeds. Is that something they can get at the sure. farm as well? Yeah, and an interesting point is you know, we save all the seeds that we grow. And uh, we utilize everything on that. So we are working on packaging up seeds. And so people will be able to grow their own gourds uh, uh, starting in the springtime. Waylon Wirtz, Wirtz Family Farm, thank you for joining us with Julie Murphy of the Arizona Farm Bureau. Coming up next month in February, we'll be talking Arizona Farm Fresh Pistachios.